0: Welcome the fun in that. Sega.
1: We're glad you've chosen to listen to us. We're three friends who get together each week to talk theology, alcohol, and whatever comes in between.
0: There's nothing too radical or off limits as we seek the ridiculous Ridiculousness that is God's very existence.
2: So grab a drink,
0: pull up a chair, and join us in our conversation. So
2: what have you What have you been drinking up there,
0: Chess? Mm, I'm having a giant Bell's Two Hearted Ale right now. It what? is. I don't know how many ounces it is one of the like yeah giant... fine yeah and then i had um uh, then just i had a torch pilsner too i'm, so I'm keeping it pretty classic weird. with
1: oh i'm keeping keeping it pretty classic um i'm sort of out of like certain things like i'm out of like simple syrup or i'm out of tonic water so just got a classic rum and coke going right now
0: how are you out of simple syrup do you not have any sugar in your house
1: not hipster enough to make my own simple syrup okay
0: no okay simple syrup is not like you don't have to it's not a it's not a it's just sugar and water what what the hell kind of expression is that i'm
2: too hipster to boil sugar in water (laughs) i'd rather pay five dollars
0: hipster thing (laughs) it's more hipster to buy simple syrup at the store i
1: guess i'm a hipster then
0: No, that's not even, that's just lazy.
1: (laughs) And the simple fact that you called yourself a hipster means you're not a hipster.
0: That's true. That's accurate.
1: So Josh, you've got the drink of the week. What are you drinking this week?
2: So this week I've been, um, I always make a beer run to a store and get a bunch of really good stuff. But this week we're drinking How I Made It. So it's an Imperial Pecan Tie Brown Ale. Pecans, vanilla, and maple syrup. And brown ales are sometimes. It's lit- called somehow
0: I manage. Yep, somehow I manage. Is that is that an office reference for I the beer? That is the name of That's Michael amazing. Scott.
1: That's that is the name of Michael Scott's manuscript that he hasn't written anything to that he gives Daryl whenever he is leaving the office for the final time.
0: But he references a ton of times in the show.
1: Yes. Uh, we've been drinking a lot
2: of like North Carolina stuff. Mm. When I was thinking about this segment, I was like, we need to talk about like the top 10 places if you're in North Carolina to go get a beer. So I would start with Burial in Asheville. New Anthem in Wilmington. And New Anthem has a phenomenal um, stout called Roadside Prophet. That is good. It is a really fantastic beer. Um, Divine Barrel in Charlotte has been really, really good, Um, especially recently. I still like Fonta Flora if you're doing, like, wild ales or, like, you know, spontaneously fermented stuff. They've been really good. Zebulon, just north of Asheville, who does, like, historical styles of beer. They have, like, a great Russian imperial um What else? um there's a new one in mount airy the home of andy griffith and they've been doing a lot of really good stuff too um
1: white elephant or whatever
2: yep white elephant they got um they got a really good hazy ipa lineup and a really good um adjunct stout they do like an oreo stout that's really really solid that sounds good
1: good and terrible
2: or just good it's it's they're amazing
1: and we will we'll put a we'll put a list uh, we'll put Josh's top 10 list on our Facebook page so if you uh, if you want to go look at that and get his recommendations for beer um, you can do that so how's everybody's week been
0: I mean it's been pretty good
1: looks like you had got a haircut and a new tattoo
0: yeah yes I guess it has been yes both of those things have happened in this week this is what I was doing on Saturday. <laughs>
1: For those of y'all who don't know, we typically record this on Saturday and uh, we sent Chaz a text we're like, hey man, what's up? And he's like, uh, I'm busy. Well, happened. apparently that means it's one of
0: the, it's one of the things that was happening. Uh, I what, didn't go, I didn't do that until five and we were going to record at three 30 and then kids. So I'm still blaming. Did the kids talk you into getting the tattoo? No, I've wanted this one for a while. What is it? It's an owl. The owl of Minerva takes flight only at the, my quoting skills are not very accurate, but it's like a, it's based on
1: a, um, it's a Hegel quote. You might want to get that tattooed on the arm so you can remember it the next time somebody asks you. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a very interesting, like I got my, I got my Johnson and Johnson shot on Friday. Um our houses got filled with flies today. And so, Gross. uh, yeah, I killed like 50 flies today. And, uh, I prank called a library in Edmonton.
0: Is that cause Amy was working?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, basically what I did is I, I called and I did the whole Monty Python, uh, bookstore scene and she had no clue. It was me for like the first five minutes. So it was, it was pretty great. I was pretty proud of myself and I did it in my cliff Clavin voice. How was your week,
2: Josh? It was actually, I mean, it was really hectic, but it's been okay. Um, We found out this week that all schools are going to come back um, five days a week in person in two weeks. So um, most of the teachers won't have had a second dose or be fully vaccinated yet. So anxiety levels went from like zero to 100 um, pretty much overnight. So oh, that's crazy. Um that's been interesting. But I I had the opportunity to, to fill in at um Mayedan this week. So that was it was neat.
1: And uh for those of y'all who are listening who don't know what Mayadan is in reference to what is Mayadan, Josh, where is it? And yeah, tell us tell us more about it.
2: It's a small town about 45 minutes north of Greensboro with not a lot happening, but the Moravians where the <laughs> missionaries and built a church, and there remains there one today. And
1: it's it's where the Mayo River meets the Dan River, and they uniquely named the town Mayo Dan.
2: You're using far too many syllables there.
1: <laughs> Let's see what they did there. See what they did there, and then there's the adjoining town of Madison, which, honest to God, like when you're standing in the Hardies. Like you can stand on one side of Hardy's and you're in Mayadan. And on the other and when you stand on the other side of Hardy's, you're in Madison. And I
0: thought you were gonna say that's where the Mad and the Issen rivers come together.
1: No, no, ah. no,
0: no,
1: And the people in Mayadan <laughs> always like to make the joke. They'll say, There's a there's a million Madisons in the world, there's only one Mayadan. And you know, then the folks in Madison will be like, Yeah, there's a reason for that.
2: Yeah, the two towns always try to merge, yet nothing ever happens because they they believe that they're so much different than than the other.
1: And keep in mind, like, this is, like, the two towns combined are, like, the size of maybe a third of Winston, maybe?
2: They're the size two, of Ardmore if you put them together.
1: The size of Ardmore, okay, yeah, size of Ardmore, which is a tiny community in Winston, and they have a... Like two city halls, two town councils, two police forces, you know, two mayors. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Uh, So, Josh, you said take it to 100. And perhaps that's a good segue into our next question is who felt like Jesus this past week based off of the scripture text that we are going to talk about. And that's John chapter three, verses 14 through 21. Did Any of y'all feel like Jesus this week?
2: This might not be the context in which we envision it. But I see this as like Jesus uh, has a teachable moment with like Nicodemus, who's like come into him, like, you know, kind of like under secret. And I sort of just feel like in general that I can every once in a while relate to that because there's always sometimes I'll teach something and there will be a kid that'll like come up afterwards and ask more about what happened because they become really curious about it or they want to tell you more about it. Um, so like this week, if we're teaching like I always, like we're in a big ukulele unit. And so every kid who has one wants to share like what they know or what they've played or what they've seen. Um, so in that respect, I feel like it's, it's kind of neat to be able to go like more in depth or to see like kids are excited about something like
0: that. So
1: yeah, and I, I don't mean to, like, interject myself onto Jesus, um, but I guess, like, do you ever have one of those moments where you feel like you said something really cool that only, like, one person gets to hear, and you're like, damn, I wish more people could hear how smart I am, or damn, I wish how people more people could hear how insightful I am. I sort of had one of, one of those moments, and that sounds really snotty to say, but I'd be like, damn, I wish more people heard that, because that was cool.
0: One of the things I think is uh, that I can kind of relate to in this in this text in that sense is is just like those conversations that you that like you know you're always gonna remember, you know. Mm. Um I get the sense that this like this this text is coming from one of those, you know. Um, or at least that's the way sort of John presents it. You know, it's this um this very I don't even know if like intense conversation is the right word, but like, I don't know, very in-depth and very connected conversation is what it feels like. Um,
1: You ever had had one of those or is there one that you're thinking of as you're
0: describing this? There's not, I mean, not necessarily one that comes like immediately one specific one that comes immediately to mind, but I think there are those. I think those are like sort of the really the key parts of like, any or in any, you know, any relationship that's that has like you know depth or something, because you know Nicodemus is one of those people who comes back at the you know at the end of right. um, when Jesus when Jesus dies, right? Um, and so there's obviously something there that was that that, that was some, some kind of connection, and that, I think the, that that com- you see that in this in this kind of conversation,
1: and I guess like I think about maybe I can't remember specific conversations, but I can remember people that were just, they have more meaning attached to them than, uh, than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's sort of shitty to say, but, you know, it it's, it's sort of a special thing whenever you have that sort of connection or I, what I'm assuming is an important connection. Because like you say, you know, he's there at the burial and um, takes the body.
2: In ministry, do you guys ever find that there are Again, not to make it sound quite so shitty, but do you ever find that there are almost like two groups of people? There are those people that you minister to and sort of uh, from a distance kind of perspective. You provide Sunday sermons and it's meaningful, but then there are people who really seek you out and then try to find out more. And that becomes a little bit more meaningful, maybe on a deeper level kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's a... And I don't, I don't necessarily know, necessarily know if this is true just for ministry. I assume it's true in any sort of profession, or just you know, if you're not a jerk, you know, and you want people to, you want to maintain relationships with people. There is some sort of sense of holding yourself back, um, but then there are some of those people who really do sort of, you know, they want to know who you are and what makes you tick, and that feels like an honest to God more. More of a, like, not proclamation, but, you know, sharing of who you are and why you are, um, you know, and what God's, what God has meant in your life when you can sort of put aside just the, um, the sort of motions that we go through and actually open up to somebody.
2: That brings me to another random question, I guess. If we're talking about people who have deeper connections and who... Allow us to express a sort of deeper side of ourselves that, like you said, Zach, we hold back. It would be interesting to think of that when we think of Jesus here, Nicodemus coming to him at night. It's like, does Jesus reveal more to Nicodemus because of who Nicodemus is and how Nicodemus has approached him? You know, like, does Jesus get a little more of himself out because of what's
1: going on? Yeah, it's interesting. um one of the things that I think we miss in the, in the text, um, is, you know, in the, in the verses preceding this, you know, Nicodemus is just like dumbfounded by what Jesus is having to say. And so maybe it is him just sort of unleashing out a bit more on him because he thinks he can handle it, but he obviously really doesn't get it at all. And then Jesus is like, all right, I'm
0: just going to keep talking. I also think by like the nature of like Nicodemus's position as like a as like a Pharisee and and like a leader it's almost like this I would imagine Jesus is going to would like the the questions that Nicodemus are going to have or Nicodemus I could see having are going to be at this are going to be I would imagine a much different level you know than you know Jesus and the and the fisherman or Jesus and other people he comes into contact with. Because hey man, usually his man, where'd you get your shirt from? <laughs> hey bud, what's what? your favorite food? Oh, I was like, what are you talking? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a blah. I ordered it
1: online. Um, <laughs> Not to make an assumption about the uh,
0: learnings of a fisherman, but... Right. No. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would imagine too. Like he's also, and I, I don't mean that in like in like a necessary like he's gonna be smarter and they're gonna be dumber kind of way, but like more like he's there's gonna be more potentially there's gonna be more sort of like ingrained like ideology into somebody like Nicodemus, yeah. right? Like then, then somebody then like what we see a lot of Jesus is his interactions with sort of like the everyday person, which is going to, I would imagine, feel the, you know, feel the struggles that Jesus is talking about in a much different, in a much more direct way. And even sort of the language and and way Jesus talks almost seems like it's meant to be from this sort of like very, very much from the lived experience. And and Nicodemus is going to be somebody who is invested in upholding the thing that Jesus is trying to, you know, sort of dismantle. Um,
1: all right. So let me throw this one at you. Maybe maybe to not, today's question would be a little bit better as maybe not, did you feel like Jesus this week, but did you feel like Nicodemus this week at all?
0: I think, I mean, I think in some ways it's, at least I feel like I can often relate to Nicodemus in, in some, in this sort of sense, like there's the, there's something that there's there's something that I, I, I often feel like, uh, you know, I want to, I would want to know more about and come, you know, and, and sometimes feel like it's, it's the thing you can't ask in, you know, when everybody else is around, you know, that's one of the things I like about this story is that, that you know, there is this sort of like, I need to explore this on my own and not in front of, you know, all of the other Pharisees. And I think there's something to that um, which I think is interesting.
2: I think Nicodemus reminds me in in this, that like when you approach Jesus in a one-on-one situation like this, there's the ability to shed everything that you bring to other people when you ask questions, right? Like I don't have to come with any kind of like, Concern about how someone else is going to take. I can come like full bore. It's just everything I've got, everything I think, everything I am, and just lay it bare and and see what comes back.
1: Yeah, and maybe this is in sort of in keeping with that. Maybe this is me projecting a bit. Um, I wonder if he. I wonder if Nicodemus is frustrated. I wonder if there's the sense of annoyance. I wonder if there's the sense of, you know, um, ready for things to move in a different different way than they are. Um, and that's why he seeks out this, you know, different way, this or this expanded way of understanding things.
0: Yeah, it makes it does make me wonder like, is there a, is, there a, is Nicodemus sensing something within Jesus's message that feels truer, even almost in some way like truer than the thing that he held to be sort of true? you know yeah and what i find interesting too is like you
1: know this is like a this is a you know, like one of the classic verses right you know um john three sixteen, and um he only says it to one person and then doesn't doesn't say it to anybody else in the story
0: yeah
1: i feel like this is one
2: of those passages though that because john three sixteen is a part of it That so many people in church don't get the whole context of the picture of what happens, and there's far greater beauty in the picture of what happens than just a single verse.
1: (laughs) This is this is one of my um, I love the start of this passage with the just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. You know, the first time you know studying this and reading this, I'm like, huh? I wonder what that means. And then just going back to it and just, you know, hearing the story of God taking it to a hundred, you know, um, and it's the story of the Israelites. They're in the middle of the desert and they're out of bondage. And what happens? The food sucks. So what do they do? This food sucks. Let's go. We wish we were back in Egypt under our captive oppressors because at least there was food there. And then God's like, oh, you think this sucks? I'm going to make it suck this much worse. So I'm going to send poison snakes to kill all of you. And then he does. And a lot of them die. And then Moses is like, God, please, what are you doing? Can we, like, not do this anymore? And he's like, okay, here's this magic snake. You put it up on a rod, and it's going to save everybody if they're bitten, and they won't die anymore. I don't know why I love that story, but.
0: There's a lot of good stories like that in the Old Testament. It is
2: yeah. Numbers 21, by the way, if anybody's interested in looking that up on their own, it's from Numbers 21 so I was um, saying this earlier one of the things that it, that story from numbers reminds me of is almost a sense of like it can like not to reduce suffering but that it can always be worse and so like mm. when I was a kid I had a friend who um, I ride down to his, to his house because he was the first kid I knew that had a Sega with Saga.
1: Sega. And
2: mortal god motor combat. Da, da, da,
1: da, da. Um, Did you have a favorite so you didn't you didn't get to the level where fatalities on anybody? Oh,
2: I could do fatalities, but the drill trick was like you started the right combo and you never touched and you, the other person never could do anything.
1: You always hated those like those, those like punk ass kids who would always like pick Scorpion or Sub-Zero and they would just do like the sweep move. And just like sweep over and over and over again, because there's like, there's like no defense to that, because it's low enough that it that it misses Scorpion's thing. Um Yeah, get over
0: here.
2: Scorpion's really vulnerable when he shoots the arrow. If you miss that, you can get
1: jacked. I always I always played Sub Zero. Yeah, I was more of a Raiden fan.
0: Weren't you? But good at Street
1: Fighter, Zach. Oh, now that that's my jams right there street fighter two and all the subsidiary games um yeah and it's i've got a one of those like super nintendo consoles it's got like 30 games on it and i'm slowly trying to work my way through uh beating the game with every player so yeah that, that that's my
0: jams It's a new mortal Kombat movie coming out no that's oh. yeah They've, I don't know why they keep doing that.
1: I can't think of any any reboot that I have really enjoyed.
2: Speaking of recent movies, though, um, we watched Coming to America 2. Was that good? I got to tell you, it's not great, but they give you all of the original characters. They keep it to Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy just dicking around being funny. Um it's really as good as you could make a sequel that no one ever intended there to be a sequel to
1: so you're saying it's sort of like sex and pizza Mm. um you never heard that That sex is sort of like pizza like when it's good it's good and even when it's bad it's still it's not not too bad
0: no i have not heard that comparison
1: oh yeah
2: So if I'm circling this all the way back around to
1: Yeah, back to the text <laughs> back back to the Bible.
2: <laughs> but I had a friend Patrick who had a Sega with all the games. And so I'd Sega. ride. Home. But what I would but then I'd have to ride home. Um, well, he would come back to my house for food all the time. And I used to think like he's got it all, he's got Sega. And sort of you never really remember, you never see how bad it can be until you see the other side and sometimes I feel like the Israelites here come out of Egypt and it's like y'all forgot just how bad it really could have been and I think that serpent on the rod is sort of hung up there as a reminder of like this could get it could get worse and I see that in today's world like if we think of like COVID right now I wonder when we're like four years past this if you'll if people will start complaining about stupid shit again, you know, like, oh, the colors of the church are all wrong and, oh, we're not using the flowers and all this, you know, all the dumb shit nobody cares about. It's like, I want to hold up twenty and 2020 and 2021 as a serpent on a rod, like, we can go back to this.
0: Yeah, and at the same time, the story of the Israelites is also one where they, like, make it to the promised land, you know, there still is this um, mumbling and grumbling. And in some ways I think we will, I mean, we will go back to that. And some, in some senses like that never stopped too, you know, and I think part of it yeah. is there's something, there's something about that um that is, that is, uh, that is perpetual, you know, we're striving and, to go
1: back to the sh- the regular ass shit that we were doing before. Not, you know, not moving forward in a, in a different way.
0: Yeah. But I think, and I, yeah, I just I wonder, yeah, because I, I think you're right. I think I think there is this sense of like, we want to be back in person so we
1: can bitch and moan about the color of the carpet because that's what makes us feel like we're doing what we're supposed to.
0: Yeah.
2: But I guess my the difference to me is like in this in the numbers passage, like people died, and so it's like <laughs> let's kind of remember right. things in a particular place, right? Like. Yeah, the color of the carpet matters. It don't matter as much as like what we're doing to prevent people from dying.
0: Mm.
2: It doesn't matter as much as what we're actually doing, which perhaps to me is another segue into one of the hangups I have with this one, um, this John passage. And that is, there's an, he uses the word, or it's translated the word believe. Those who do not believe, 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 believe. And I think it would be, Particularly important to clarify what true belief is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think for me, um, and Chaz, I might butcher this, so correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But I remember in Peter Rollins' book, with all of the parables that he created, there's one where there's some kind of dystopian future, and being Christian is outlawed. Everybody who's being who isn't
1: yeah.
2: is brought before some kind of trial. And this guy's brought before them and he's like, you know, you're accused of being a Christian. We'll review the evidence. And basically the evidence is like, oh, he went to church every Sunday. He prayed really hard. You know, he, he did all of the right things. And they come back and they say, you've been found not guilty of being a Christian. You're free to go. And he, of course, doesn't understand this. He says, well, I, I don't understand. Like, I've prayed really hard. I've gone to church. I've done all of the things. And, that, and the, you know, the jury comes and says, well, we're not looking at that. We looked at, did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? Did you visit the sick and in prison? You've done none of those things? No, well, you're not a Christian. Bye. And so I think that is, like, to me, the crux of what belief truly is, is, like, lived out in a, in a way if that makes
1: sense. So it's almost like the people who lived into Bonhoeffer's cheap grace didn't get in. And the, it's only the ones who lived into cost or who were, you know, that costly, costly grace were the ones who did get in.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there's, I, I think that is an important, I I, I, part, I think that is an important aspect. Uh, so, and I'd be curious to like, to do a little bit of study on like exactly well, you know, what, um, what like what words are being used there in in greek and what in 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 john cuz i think i think there is and i think there is that that sense you know of um of of belief tied to at least in in the sense that john is using it i think we i think today we often separate them because belief is so much tied to like what you you know what you agree or disagree with, you know, what you, um, what you claim as a true statement or a false statement, you know, and, um, and, you know, I think belief really, it much more is like, you know, um, some days, some days we act like we believe and some days we don't, you know, and I think that's the, I think without that, without that sort of understanding, then I think we, grace also becomes, we kind of mess up how we understand that too, you know, because without that sense of like grace is the thing that, that is always there, whether or not we were, we acted like we were, you know, we acted like we believed or we didn't, you know, but there's that, you know, grace is always, it returns itself. Um, But I think to just sort of to sort of say like oh belief is just like I can I can check these boxes of knowledge right I can say like I agree with these sentiments then you almost then also remove the need for for grace in that too
1: it's interesting um because yeah that's a that's that ties in really awesome with the Ephesians passage um and for those of y'all um who, um, who are listening The the Ephesians, Ephesians passages, Ephesians two, one through 10. And, um, I think I love about this is you know, the, um, verse 10, the one where it's, you know, like we are created by God and created by God to do good things, you know, um, essentially not created just to sit around on your ass. Mm-hmm. So Chaz, when I heard that
2: one, the one thing that, that kind of troubled me about it is i i felt like that implied some kind of inherent goodness
0: and i didn't know how to like you mean like in terms of i mean i think i see that in in the difference between i sort of see that in light of when jesus says like you'll do greater things than these sort of after the resurrection so like um because I think for, you know, for Paul, like, that, like, you will do greater, or you will created to do good things. Like, it's not, he's obviously not saying, like, you better do those good things. So, like, you know, you can earn your God credits, right? Like, that's so counter to, like, you know, Paul's, like, faith, idea of faith and works and all of that kind of thing. So I think it it is a like the, the, you were created for this almost like literally like to, almost like that is almost it's It's almost like he's saying it as simply as that right like you were created to be in in the presence of uh, like you. you were created to be in these communities of the spirit so that together you can do these good things you know uh, and good, I think, also is, you know, I think we need to sort of, you know, work with that phrase a little bit too, because I think we think, um, I think, I don't know if it's good in like, you know, this moral sense. I mean, but more like good in the sense of like you are a part of the, like, the ongoing effort of grace moving the world, right? Like that you are part of, Um, that you're part of this reconciliation, you know, Paul, that Paul's, you know, talks about in Corinthians all the time, this, this agent of reconciliation, right? Like these are the, this is the kind of good thing that Paul was talking about. Not like, I mean, good things are, it's not like we shouldn't do good things, like helping people out or all those kind of like, you know, uh, or being like, all of those are part of it. But like, Paul is also speaking to this, like you, we need to, you know, we're, we're part of, remaking and reshaping the world um
1: yeah it's it's sort of akin to what jesus says whenever he talks about um, don't believe in don't believe in the words that i speak but believe because of the works that you've seen done talk is cheap and i think that's like that's the crap that like and i don't uh, and it really bothers me how like the church here when i say here i mean like earth um hasn't at least in North America hasn't figured it out is like people just don't care anymore because they don't see any of the works. And all they see is just lip service and supporting the and supporting institutions for the sake of institution. Like they don't see the actual good things that we we're created to do. And that's why you yeah, that just sort of speaks. Um, you know, to the side, you know, to the idea, like, I don't know, it's almost, it almost, it really almost fits into the whole Nietzsche idea of you know, God being dead. Because mm. there's no, you know, <laughs> the if the hands and feet of Christ, you know, the, the, or the body of the Christ isn't doing anything, is it really alive?
0: Yeah. It also makes me wonder too, like sort of thinking of, sort of the new world in which we, you know, the shifting sort of tides we inhabit in sort of American Western Christianity. Like, it also makes you wonder, like, I think part of it too is we have also moved beyond a place where those good, the created to do good things. Um, I think we've seen that not have to be confined to, like, a you know, church structure you know and you know and i think that's true for like both people who are in and out of the church and i think that's a tough thing to reckon to 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 reckon with when it's when you're dealing with the the nuts and bolts of an institution that that almost like is is struggling to figure out what its purpose is because if it's not needed to be the good works in the world which you know it's not and you know arguably didn't need to exist for that to happen ever. Um, it's almost like a, it's a. There's this struggle for purpose, you know. Um, what are we here for? In the sense, of what you know, in in the sense of the church, right? Like, what is its what is its role um, in broader society? So one of
2: the things that I've kind of wondered. Um is does grace does grace exist apart from sin and not sin in an individual sense, sin in like a corporate existence kind of sense? And is one of the struggles of the church to to be really heard today found in, in their sort of the more modern desire to not not cease sin in a corporate sense and to not acknowledge that that's part of the reason that grace exists and to act in a sense to say that like we're really perfect. There's no, Like we, we get grace because we believe in God instead of a part of it being, at least a small part of it being like there's corporate sin and there's the need for grace and we acknowledge the ways in which we're both receiving grace and complicit in a, a corporate sin?
1: Well, um, I can answer the first part of that question, and then you'll just tell me if I answered the second part, because I sort of lost you in that one. Um, in the first part of Ephesians, we uh, it sort of says explicitly that, yes, grace existed before sin, Like, grace doesn't happen because there is a need for sin, because then that means that it's, like, God is, God and grace is at the behest of humanity. And Ephesians makes a distinction to where it says, you know, grace happens because of an abundance of God's goodness. And it's, you know, God's plan, God's desire, whatever, to uh, essentially lavish it on, uh, you know, all the people that he created, you know, all the people that God created. That's, like, that's the plan. When it comes to, you know, what's God's purpose, you know, what's the plan for life? It's not, you know, that we have an individual plan for each one of us is that um, God is going to keep on extending that grace just because God is good. Um, And if it were, you know, if sin were the need or sin was the reason that grace happened, then grace is reactionary. It's not coming out of this place of abundance and joy. God's abundance and joy, excuse me.
0: yes, that is true. but like there, no way we don't know like we like we cannot know that until there is some like sin that enters the you know like until there is a brokenness. I wonder I, I wonder if there's a there's some uh, there's like something to the like
1: oh sure well and um but i I think uh, you know the point sort of taken and i guess that's maybe just one of those theological hairs to split is that um it's not because of something that we do that you know god all of a sudden generates you know this thing it's that part of the nature of god is grace and it's been there ever since the beginning it's just of the essence of god not something that just happened as a reaction And so there, I mean, there, there's also, there's also been to be like, you know, there has to be an awareness of the need for it in us. There has to be an acceptance of it. And, you know, the, the fact that we, you know, don't have that awareness is, you know, you can make the argument. It's like, that's the, you know, that's the sin that blocks us from seeing it and all that sort of stuff. It's very much, you know, um, walks or goes hand in hand with it. But, you know, the, the point that Paul makes in Ephesians in the first chapter is that, it's not sin that's, you know, that create, that creates grace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I can
2: totally understand that. I guess then I would say that like the church fails to truly recognize grace because the church then truly fails to recognize sin, even though grace is already all present, the church fails to see it because I think at times the church fails to recognize sin.
0: Yeah, I think we, I think we've done such a bad, we, we either like give a really bad definition for what sin is that like makes it this like individual morality that like is built to like shame and control and sort of manipulate people, um, which is like, is bad and should be rejected and is awful the way that like you know the concept of the that that religion has said like you know you are you are this and you know it's almost like you that we're gonna convince you you're sick and we're the only ones selling the you know selling the solution kind of thing you know like it's, it's snake oil salesman 101 you know, I think it's sort of like the the way that that sin is sort of like has been dealt with in in the church for a lot of for a lot of particularly American Christianity. But I do think there is also like then the counter reaction to that. It's just sort of like then not talk about it at all. Um, and I do I do wonder if there's a like we need a way to talk about like brokenness and lack and um and i think i think that like the language of sin helps us do that um but there is almost like this need to like you know purge this very very bad and miss mistaken understanding so that you can like, like yoda like what yoda says This is really? from which, I mean, Yoda says a lot of things. You must unlearn
1: that which, or excuse me. He yes. Say that. You must unlearn what which, which you have learned. That
0: which you have learned, yes.
1: I just wanted to say that that's about the third
2: time I think Zach has used that one. <laughs>
0: <That's> your, <laughs> I thought you were going from the, like, um, the Last Jedi quote where he... You know, it says, let it burn or whatever. When they, when Luke thinks all of the Jedi manuscripts are burning up in the, in the tree. Can I, all right,
1: can we just take an aside and jump to that, that particular idea? Like there is, I, I find it so problematic that Mr., you know, in 4, 5, and 6, like, I'm going to be the rule breaker. Like, I'm going to, like, not do what my teachers tell me, and I'm going to sit there and just do everything my own way turns into the, you know, we have to save these sacred texts. I find that just such a, like, like we're, we're not taking on the journey to actually see that character arc. It just seems like a...
0: yeah. I mean I could I could I could rant on the sequel trilogies for a long time and how horrible they are. But I I
1: I will say Yoda does have some pretty good lines in that one though. Like whenever they're talking about those texts and he's like read them have you? Well no page turners they
0: are not I assure you. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's like that's that's how I feel about every book, Yoda. Yeah. Although like Yoda then is also the one who was like Zealously upholding the Jedi Code that basically created Darth Vader. So,
1: well, it's also you got to remember it's not just him, man. Like, there's all sorts of like at that point in time, there's all sorts of people who are upholding that code. Yeah, it's people like, yeah, like like, it's people like Qui Gon Jinn who are the ones who are trying to like reform the system. But let's get back to the Bible, (laughs) because. Do a whole podcast on Star Wars.
0: Where's the fun in that?
1: Yeah. Page turners. It, Page turner. It is not. It's definitely
0: funny. not numbers. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, God. That is, yeah, that is such a boring book to read.
0: I mean, the name is even, like, is number, like, <laughs> doesn't, like... Why do I want to read this? I don't want to read this. It's just called numbers.
1: Almost like Ricky Bobby's dad. It's like, it could be about one or two or three (laughs) or four. Hell, it could be about five. You read first, you last. Hell, I was high when I said (laughs) (laughs)
0: that.
2: Can I admit that, like, there's a big part of me that doesn't feel like the Bible gets going until about Job.
0: Well, Job was more than likely the first book written.
1: and i had somebody had, i had heard once that like there were some rabbis that actually there was two books that they almost like cautioned people against reading like right away it was job and ecclesiastes and song of songs like those those books is like those need more context you you, you shouldn't read those right away as a padawan cuz it's just going to mess you up
2: that's sad cuz i don't know i i love the book of job
1: i love job
0: and from like, I like Job too. Sorry. Oh, I was just, all I was saying was I was agreeing with you that I like Job. I'm sorry. I forget that, like, I'm so bad at Zoom conversations because, like, in Zoom, it's e- like you either have like the green box around you or you don't. And so, like, there is no, like, there's no, like, and so I just, I end up just like talking to myself because that's what I do in normal conversation. And then people, I feel like I end up interrupting everyone.
1: I like to say I have a European conversation style to that. My, my wife just always rolls her eyes whenever I say that.
0: What does that even, what does that even mean?
1: Never heard that like in Europe, it's not like it's, it's a little more common to just sort of interrupt each other whenever you're talking. No. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Well.
1: So then you're, then you're just gonna have to trust me.
0: There is this new, like, I haven't tried it yet, but there's supposed to be this new platform where you, you're basically like put in like a digital room and you like, in, like geograph, like you can, and you sort of like, yeah, move you, you walk little, around yeah and you like hear like the converse, like it's, the conversations get louder or softer dep- depending on who you're around And you can like move. And I'm like, I would be now that we've sort of like been trained in this kind of communication. I feel like it would be really interesting to try that. And then just
1: it'd be funny to like be that one person who just like walks away from everybody. And then when somebody seeks you out, like to just walk away from them. (laughs)
0: Leroy Jenkins. So Have you ever like. Please tell me you've seen that video. I have no clue what you're talking about. You don't know that? Do you, have, do you know that one, Josh? No. It's, okay, so it's, it's like this old. It's like one of the first like viral videos, which I feel so old saying that. But it's like this guy playing World of Warcraft, and he just like barges in and like starts this like massive raid early, and like everybody dies, and <laughs> it's just it's so funny. Anyway. I just funny when you see it. Funny <laughs> without of context, not so much. So well, I well. in those
2: rooms where you walk around, and I walked away from it feeling like all I did was like, this sounds awful, but like voyeur everyone else's conversation because all I did is go. What like, is it? They're talking about this, and they're going about that, and they're going. To, I never talked to anyone because they were already engaged in conversation, and I didn't feel like interrupting it. You I mean, make it sound like, of, it's, but
0: that's kind of what we do in like normal parties, isn't it? Like you like float around and like hang out on. Maybe it's just me. No, no, no. So like apparently, like my wife,
1: my best friend, um he likes to point this out to me, and because usually I don't really like to talk to people in general. Until I get a few drinks in me. And then he says I've become a chatty Kathy. And what I like to do then at parties, whenever I get to that level of uh, intoxication is like control the conversation and see if I can like manipulate it. But uh, as you were talking, you know, just about like that, because I've seen, I've seen the platform before. And it makes me think I'm in a game of Zelda.
0: Mm, yeah it is a little bit like because your person walks like that yes the old one <laughs> and then it's, yeah you
1: can go up to them and they're like oh hey the castle gates haven't been opened in a long time <laughs>
0: will you, are you will you send me on a quest <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you
2: carrying God. a special amulet yeah but like you,
0: can, you cannot talk to me unless you have 12 rupees <laughs>
1: We'd like to close off um, this week, like we like we always do, with our segment called "What's Chapping Chaz," where we ask Chaz, Chaz, what's chapping your ass this week. So, Chaz, what's chapping your ass this week? Well, I
0: I think if I had to go into one thing this week, it would be the um, all of this to do about the Royals controversy, and maybe it's just because like. I have no, like, I don't understand why the royals exist as part of this problem, but it just, I don't know why we're surprised that they're, like, not good people. Like, they're, like, also, like, they're literally the same ones who, like, colonized half of the world, and I don't know why we're so shocked that, like, yeah, they're still racists. This doesn't seem like... I don't know. It just seems like it's a whole lot to do about nothing and, or not nothing. It's still really important, but what should have been blatantly obvious with, with like, I don't know, a whole group of people that have no purpose other than just like being wealthy and wearing crowns. I just, I just don't get it.
2: You mean the queen doesn't remind you of your average sweet grandma?
0: I mean, the average sweet grandma that lives in like a palace and like a vacation home in Scotland, like not really, no. Well, and it's amazing to and me like, who I, is like there because God said so. Apparently,
1: there's a there's a show on Netflix. It's called The Royal House of Windsor, and um, they talk about how, I guess it's like when King George is still alive and Elizabeth is like in her teens and early twenties where they have to go on this whole, like they do this whole media campaign to sort of make them seem like
0: normal folks. Yeah. I do think there is like, in some ways, I saw one piece sort of was talking about how like this controversy right now is like, like the whole like culture of the royals in England is clashing with whole like celebrity culture in America. And I think that's a really good read because I do think like we treat celebrities here in similar not exactly the same way, but in like similar ways. And in some ways it's like this is a good example of how those things are like coming together. But I kind of have the same opinion of celebrities that I do of royals so like we have the same like we kind of have the same approach like you know um they're like they're gonna like every time there's a disaster it's a whole bunch of celebrities go and then like they start crying on tv asking for money you we know got- and like, <laughs> like they're gonna solve some of like they're gonna solve some kind of problem for us like Tom Hanks we got Ja pay-
1: Rule on the phone over here
0: John, tell us your thoughts about what just happened here at (laughs) 9-11. Yeah. Or, yeah, it just, what was the one that came out when the pandemic, like there's a whole bunch of celebrities, like singing Imagine by John, um, the John Lennon song. Did y'all see this? It's awful. It's just very hard for like, to have sympathy. It's like, yeah, y'all are probably pretty good because with the whole, you know, COVID thing.
1: That's like um, there's that meme that's going around, where it's it's got um, it's like one of the scenes from the interviews and it's got um, Harry and Meghan and Oprah, and you know Harry and Meghan are saying, "Oh wow, yes, life is so tough," and like you just see like stacks of euros around them, and then you've got Oprah who is like enshrined in money, and she's like, "Yes,
0: I know exactly what you're talking about." Yeah, it kind of has that vibe to it, for sure. I mean, I guess in that yeah. sense, like, I mean, it's a d- just a distraction from, from like our normal hellscape of existence. So, like, maybe that's helpful, but you know, and it distracts us from from pandemics and climate change and economic Dr. inequality and lack of social mobility. Like, sure, it's like a it's like a sugary snack, so we, we don't have to think about all of the other stuff. Is your tea and crumpet break from your normal crap of your life. Yeah.
1: And that yeah, that's is what's Chappin' what Chaz.
2: Chazz.